What if you went home today and you got the Sunday newspaper and you began to read it and you opened it up to the obituary section? And when you open it up to the obituary section, you saw your name. And then you saw your picture. And then you began to read your own obituary. I believe there would be a lot of folk that would reconsider their life up to this point, wouldn't they? I believe we would change some things and, and do a few things different. It would be so startling that it, it would, uh, if you will, give us a reality shock. It would make you a little more... Um, cautious of how you spend your time. Well, this is exactly what happened to a Swedish inventor named uh, uh, Alfred Nobel. Alfred was responsible for creating dynamite. He invented dynamite, Alfred did, and uh, one day he opened the newspaper and began to read and went to the obituary section and saw his name and picture there. Huh. Now, if you could imagine this, it, it, it got his attention, and um, it, his original intent for dynamite was really to create more peace. In his mind, he thought, I'll create something so powerful that people will not want to go with war each other, therefore creating peace. And that was his whole intent of it. Wow. So therefore, he opens the newspaper, and uh, as, as he begins to read the newspaper, he, he reads in his obituary, and they refer to him as the merchant of death. What had happened, if you can imagine, the newspaper messed up. I mean, imagine, hard to fathom, I know, that the media messed up. <laughs> But it was really his brother that had passed away. And they had confused it and wrote an obituary for Alfred. So it really challenged him when he read this. And, and, and they called him the merchant of death. And he began to evaluate how he had impacted this earth. And how he had spent his time on this earth up to this point. So he decided at that point, I'm going to refocus what I'm doing. I'm going to refocus who I am. And I'm going to do something different with my remaining time here on this great planet earth. He wanted to do something that would help the people around him. So he established he, in the end, he established a will that 90% of his worth would go to the establishment of the Nobel Peace Prize. And that's how we know Albert. The Nobel Peace Prize. And here's, one, here's a quote from him. He said, Those in the preceding years shall have greater benefits to mankind. Wow. Now we remember him as an agent of peace. He's an agent of peace. I want to ask you this morning. How will people remember you? How will people think of the heritage and the legacy that you're leaving? What legacy are you leaving? Are you the person that's living out your, your purpose on this planet? Are you living it out? Or do, you, do you understand the purpose and meaning of, of why you're here? Well, today we're going to continue our series on the Good Samaritan entitled, Get Off of Your Donkey. Get off your donkey. 
And we're going to continue with this. And, and, and you know, most of us, when we hear Good Samaritan, as we've discussed in the last few weeks, that we, we think of this story, we think of this term when we see someone broke down on the side of the road or someone in need. It prompts us, and we, and we think about the Good Samaritan because he was known for his compassion and he was known for his generosity. This story is recorded in Luke 10, verses 25 through, through 35, and, and it is a story within a story of itself. It all began when Jesus had a conversation with an expert in the law. And in this conversation, the expert of the law asked Jesus, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now we automatically, when we hear that, we think of the afterlife. We think, what, was, what must we do to, to get to heaven? Well, in the Hebrew mindset, as we talked about last week, it was a little different than that. What they interpreted to be when he said, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life was, how do I find purpose? What do I do to find meaning while here on this earth? What do I do to, to live the best life possible? What do I need to do to find that God-centered life in the center of God's will? And that's how they interpreted in this story. And Jesus responded to him and said, here's what you do. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then Jesus continued and He said, Love your neighbor as yourself. And we've discussed in previous weeks, if you want to watch those, they're available online, you can go watch them. But Jesus, uh, as this came about, and He said, Love your neighbor, you know, that was a, a huge issue back then. And the expert comes back to Jesus in the law and He says, Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor that I've got to love more than I love myself? Then Jesus begins this story about a traveler who's going down the road and, and he gets attacked by thieves and he gets beaten and left half dead. And last week we talked about the first two characters in this Bible who happened to be a Levi and a priest and they just missed an opportunity and went around the beaten, broke guy who had been beaten to death. In other words, they missed an opportunity and we talked about missed opportunities last week. Well, today, we're going to talk about the third character in this story. Now, Jesus is introducing the third character at this time. And, and, and He gets their attention when He says, A Samaritan got off of his donkey. You know the history. We've talked about the history about the Samaritan and all. And I want to pick up this uh, passage in verse 33 of Luke chapter 10. And He says this, But a Samaritan, as Jesus speaking, as He traveled, came where the man was. And when He saw him, He took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave to the innkeeper and said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have encountered. So Jesus started this introduction of this third character by talking about his heart because the Samaritan was going down the road and he saw this guy who had been beaten and was lying there half dead naked and he thought to himself this ain't right somebody has got to do something about this somebody something's got to happen we can't just leave him there something has got to take place and that was his thoughts have you ever been in a situation where you sin an injustice and the thoughts hit your mind, something's got to change here. Somebody's got to do something 
about this. This is not right. Somebody needs to do something, folks. I'm here to tell you, God oftentimes puts those thoughts and those feelings upon us. He puts us in those moments to prompt us to do something. He does that to prompt us to get off your donkey. Get off your donkey. He's prompting us. You see, you see this need. You see this problem. And God is calling you to notice it so that you can do something about it. You may be saying, wait a minute, that's above my pay grade. I'm not qualified. I can't do that. Folks, the Samaritan got off of his donkey and he did what he could do. Did you hear that? He did what he could do. Jesus will never ask you to do what you can't do. He'll never ask you to give what you can't give. He simply asks you to do what you can do. Do what you can do. You know, I'm sure this Samaritan, he probably wasn't packing a first aid kit. He probably had not had training by first responders on how, how to take care of someone lying there half dead. But, he got off his donkey and did what he could do. Wow. He looked down at what he had and he did what he can do. Look at what you have. He had some oil, he had some wine, and he poured it in the wounds. He then took the man, check this out, he got off his donkey, bandaged the guy, he may have taken his shirt off and tied it as a, to stop the bleeding, I don't know. And he took him and he placed him on his donkey. You know what that tells me? This guy who was riding is now walking Taking this man who needed help. He was doing what he could do. Wow. <laughs> Get this. He was riding and now he's walking. He got to the next town and he put the man up in an inn in a motel. And, and he, then, then he not only just put him in a room, he stayed with him. And I believe it was probably a very sleepless, restless night because it was probably like sitting and staying with someone who had just had a major surgery. And I'm sure that as he was coming in and out, he was moaning and groaning all night long. And every time they moan, you jump up to see if they need something or want something. And he was there taking care of this guy. Verse 35 says this, He got up the next day and he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. He just paid for one night. He gets up the next morning, gives him two denarii, and says, take care of him. Now, why is it so important that he mentions that he gave two denarii? Well, you've got to look a little closer sometimes into, this, into the Scripture to understand what's really transpiring here. And, and as we look a little bit deeper, in that day, one denarii was equivalent to one's day, one day of wages for a man. So what he is doing, he's paying two denarii, and he's saying, I'm going to pay for two more days. 
Think about it. If you, if you made $10 an hour, work at hours a day, that's how much? $80. So if you gave two days worth of wages at $10 an hour, that is, well, you guys are good at math. So if he, he, he had already put him up for one night. It had already cost him oil and wine. Oil and wine. He had already bandaged and taken care of him. And now he gives another 160 bucks in our terms to take care of him for two more days. And I believe that the innkeeper and the Samaritan were probably knew each other to some extent. And he had probably been there before. And he had stayed there probably maybe numerous times. I don't know. Because after he gives him the two denarii, he asks the innkeeper and tells him, if you will take care of this man... I will reimburse you for any other expenses that you may have. You know that I'm good for it. So what this is telling me that the Samaritan was willing to give more than even just his money. He was willing to give his personal resources. In other words, he was using his own name, his own character, his own integrity saying, I'll take care of it. Just take care of this man and I'm using my resources, what I have available for you to take care of this guy. Until we can get this stranger through this, whatever it takes, I'll handle it. Wow. Wow. What? He gave what he could. He gave what he could. Jesus never asked you to do what you can't do. Jesus never asked you to give what you can't give. That may stretch you. It may be a little tough. But He'll never ask you. It always starts with what you have. Always. It starts with what you have. It reminds me of a story in, uh, that Jesus was, uh, in the Gospels, he was, he was teaching to this large crowd, and, and over 5,000 folks had gathered around, and, and you've heard me tell this story because I love this story, and, and there's over 5,000, and the disciples come and say, Jesus, you're just way too long-winded, you're going to have to quit. These folks, some of them are getting hangry. They're not hungry, they're hangry. We need to, you, you, they've got to go, you've got to let them go so they can go home and get some food. And Jesus looks at them and said, why don't you feed them? We don't have that kind of money. Let's go take that. We can't do that. And what does Jesus do? He says, well, what do you have? What do you have? Well, we've got five loaves and two fish. That's all it took. They brought it. He blessed it. And they fed them. And they had how many baskets left? Twelve baskets left. So when we are in the face of, in front of a need, the real question is simply, what do we have? What do we have? Because when you give it to the Lord, He blesses it and He can multiply it. All He asks is for what you have. So here's my point. You were born to be blessed and to be a blessing to others. God wants to bless you to enable you to be a blessing to others. You were born to be blessed. God's favor. Church, God's favor is on you. God's favor is there with you. You've been blessed by Him. And He has a plan for your life according to Scripture for you to be a blessing to others. 
He has plans to prosper you. He has plans for peace for you. Never make excuses for God's favor and God's blessings being upon your life. You're chosen to be blessed. You were born to be blessed. Why is that? Because you were born to be a blessing to others. And you can't be a blessing to others if you're not blessed. Lord, if they don't want your favor and blessing, send it my way. You were born to be blessed, church. We have been created to make a contribution. Uh oh. Not just to consume. You were born to get off your donkey. You were born for it. This is the whole message of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us to do in advance. You were created for it. You were made for this. You were created for this. You were created to do good works. You were created to get off your donkey. We are shaped to serve. We are created to serve. We are made to serve. What am I saying? God has called every one of us to serve. All you have to do is what is possible. And when you do what is possible, you allow God to work through you to do what's impossible. The disciples did all they knew to do. Here's the five loaves and fish. And he done it. You may be thinking, but I just, ah, did it, do it, be it. You know, we look at this story and we say, oh yeah, I, I want to be that good Samaritan. I want to get off my donkey. I, I, I want to serve. I want to do this and I want to be a part of it. But let's be honest here for a moment. When you make a decision to serve, it's going to cost you something. When you make a decision that I'm going to serve, it's going to cost. It's kind of like when your daughters come up to you and they're being all sweet and they love you. You're like, okay, well, it's going to cost me. What do you want? <laughs> Amen, Hannah. <laughs> when you make a commitment that you're going to serve, it's going to cost you something. Serving will always cost. Think about it. When this Samaritan got off of his donkey, as soon as he stepped off of his donkey, it cost him. It cost him his time. It cost him convenience. It wasn't convenient to stop. He was like the rest of us. He had a schedule probably. He was in a hurry. It cost him convenience. It cost him his money. And the deeper he got into helping this guy, the more it cost him. I'm going to say that again. The deeper he got involved, and the more he got involved, the more it cost him. Wow. Serving is sacrifice. And when we come to the place where we are serving someone, we are sacrificing our time, we're sacrificing our monetary means, we're sacrificing our efforts, and so many people don't want to do that they just don't want to do it 
Church, God calls us to give. You're called to give. You're called to give. Okay, let's get specific. What will it cost? What will it cost? It's going to cost you five things. Number one, time. It will cost you time. Now, every one of us have 24 hours in a day. No more, no less. So therefore, that makes time our most valuable resource. When we look at the time we have, we, you know that you can spend your time. You can either spend it by wasting it, or you can spend it by investing it. Boy, y'all quiet on Pastor Scott this morning. Woo! You can spend your time wasting it, or you can spend it investing it. You know, as you get older, you come to realize that time is your most valuable possession. And doing that wedding last night, and I was looking at all these little kids running around and knowing I've got a wedding coming up in January, I was thinking, wow, where did it go? That was my little girl at one time. That was little Biggie at one time. That was our little ones at one time. And time has flown by. Folks, time is your most precious commodity. Time is your most valuable resource. It is limited. Time is a limited resource. You can waste it or you can invest it. And if you're going to make a difference in this world, it's going to cost you your time. As we look at the days ahead, I thank God so much for the volunteers that we have. We've got volunteers working with children right now in children's church. We've got teenagers jumping and hollering and having fun with them. We've got people volunteering in the nursery. We've got them back there at the sound. I thank God for every volunteer that was up here on this stage who, who volunteered their time and came in to practice on Monday night for several hours just to get ready to lead us to that place. I thank God for it. But as I look ahead and I'm seeing where we're going, we have nowhere near the volunteers that we need right now to get there we've got to have you and it will cost you your time I better keep going God's vision God's vision for this house is much larger than what you see right now and it's going to cost time and not only is it going to cost time number two it's going to cost you talents God has given you unique abilities. He's given you talents. He's given you experiences. He's given you a background. And all that has merged together to help people and do good work. All that's come together. Everything about you, where you've come from, your, your, your childhood, your, your, your this and that. It's all blended and molded together into your talents to help people. You know, the... the, the in the Bible, the word that is used for service and ministry are derived from the same Hebrew word. Same root word. In other words, God's gifted you with talents. And that means that every one of us are called into ministry. You're involved in ministry whether you recognize it or not. You're called there. You see, my next point is this. God's gift to you is your talent. Your gift to Him is how you use it. God's gift to use that talent and that ability that He's given you. 
I watch some people that they're a magnet to people. They're just automatic. My future son in law, Otier, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but after service, every one of these kids just flock to him. All the little kids that come running out of children's church, they just flock to him. Lily wouldn't leave him alone last night. Charlotte ran, him, ran her off of his lap. He, he's, he's a track. That's a gift and that's a talent. Some of you are gifted and talented in, 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 with numbers. Some of you can run numbers and, and God can use that gift and talent. Some of you are gifted with your hands and craftsmanship and, and working and you can build. And do, I, I look at this. I'd love to tell you I did every bit of that. You know what I did? My little brother did all of it and he said, hand me this and hand me that. And I handed him this and I handed him that. Because he's gifted and talented with his hands and he can build this. Had a lot of help and, and he's working on the back. Anyway, you've all got gifts and talents. You get what I'm saying. God's gift to you is that talent. Your gift to Him is how you use it because God has uniquely qualified you to do certain things. Your gifts and your talents are to work for His glory. You start to look inside at, at what God has given you, the abilities and the talents that He's given you experiences and He's given you your personality so that you can use them to the good to help other folk. It's not just for you. It's not just for your household. It's to help other people. Wow. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you those talents. It's going to cost you to use them. To get beyond you and, and to begin to give of your time and your talents. And then thirdly, it's going to cost you your treasure. When the Good Samaritan was coming down the road and he saw the man beaten and hurt, he stopped and he got down. Somebody had to have bought that oil and wine. Somebody had to pay the innkeeper. Somebody had to pay for the food. It cost him his treasure, his money. I always tell you that when I talk about money, people get funny. Some things never change. It costs us treasure. You know, I have literally met folks that says, you can have everything, but don't touch my money. Don't ask for my treasure. You know what I understand? Is I understand this passage of Scripture found in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. That says, but remember the Lord your God. For it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. He gives you the ability to prosper. Let's pray. He gives you the ability to make money. You want my honest opinion? I think you should make as much of it as you can. Make as much as you can. Because God has given you the ability to make money. However, Along with that ability to make money, also comes responsibility to use that money in a way that will honor Him. Oh, we get all excited about money. Yeah, I want to make money. Bless me, bless me. No, I got to do what? That's not just for me. No. You know, how are you doing with that? Boy, it got quiet in this house all of a sudden. How are you doing with honoring God with your money? How are you doing with that? If you, if you want to see what's important to you, pull out your financial statement. Pull out your bank record. Look and see where it's going. 
That'll show you what's important to you. That'll show you where your heart is at. That'll show you. Look at where you spend or invest your money. You see, He's giving us the ability to make money. And He says, just return it. He says, return the tithe. You know the Scripture, Malachi. Return the tithe. Along with that, He doesn't stop there. He says, bring in alms and bring in offerings. You see, there are going to be times where God is going to prompt you to go above and beyond to help somebody out. He's going to prompt you. He's going, to, he's going to open that door right in front of you and prompt you to help somebody out. And you know what? I just want this house to be sensitive to that. I want you to be sensitive that when you see a brother or sister in need and Holy Spirit prompts you that you act upon it. That, that, that we act. You see, Charlotte and I, the Lord has blessed and we... I believe we've become so sensitive to that because we've been on that receiving end when we needed it before. Where somebody stepped in and blessed us at a very critical time. I've seen it in action. Folks, we were born to be blessed and to be a blessing to others. And I knew this would be my hardest point to make today. What am I saying? Do what you can. If God prompts you, do what you can. Respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Jesus saying, look at what you have and do. Do. Give. Do it. He's asking you to use what you have to help other folks. He's not going to ask you to do what you can't. He's just saying, use what you have. Use what you have to be a blessing. There's been times in my life where people have stepped in and not knowing a thing and just blessed me. I had a dear friend call one time and say, I need your bank account number. I know it's at Regions. What's your account number? I said, what are you going to do? Well, there ain't nothing in there, so I ain't worried about it. Here it is. And I go and I look and he deposited a few thousand dollars into my account. And that was a day I couldn't even afford to buy my kids food. And see, when you've been on that end of it, I thank God now that we're able to bless. We're, you know, I heard a need of a kid needing school books not long ago, and we were able to, to, to buy their college books. Thank you, All because somebody was willing to invest in us. Somebody's willing to invest. Be sensitive. Be sensitive. I love the story I told you a few weeks ago about my pastor friend who, who, who cornered me and said, I just got my $100,000 love offering. Somebody in his church gave him $100,000. Somebody received that. I was jealous, Lori. I was mad. I said, Lord, I was there when he got saved. I put up with his heathen tail in. I listened to him for hours and didn't like a minute of it, but I listened, God. And God's saying, I'll take care of you. You just respond when I speak. We just got to respond. 
That's all he's asking for. So it's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your talents. It's going to cost you your treasure, your money. And it's going to cost you, are you ready for this one? Your talk. It's going to cost you your words. I'm going to clarify this for some of you. I need to clarify it. Hang on. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, as you are doing. Encourage one another. Build one another up. One of the greatest things that you can give somebody in need is your encouragement, is your words of encouragement. Now, hear me. I'm not saying just going to somebody and bumping your gums. Because I'll be honest, they don't want to hear it. They don't care that Susie's first uncle's cousin's wife's brother's sister said hello. They don't care. Can I get a witness? Somebody say amen. You ran into them, folk. No. He's saying build one another up. Encourage them. Be an encourage. He didn't say be wordy. He just said be an encourager with your words. Build them up. In other words, speak life into them. Lift them up. Scourge, encourage them. Just lift them up. Build them up. There are people that you're going to meet this week. They feel like they are that man that has been robbed, beaten, and left naked laying on the side of the road in this story. They're lying there half dead. It's not a physical beating, but they are emotionally spent. Spent. Emotionally hurting. Maybe on the verge of doing something really, really stupid. And they're laying there beaten and bloody emotionally. They're frazzled. And you can encourage them. You got something in here that you can give them. You got life in here that you can give to them. You can speak life into somebody. You can speak encouragement to somebody. You, could, you may possibly encourage someone to do something that they never dreamed possible in their lifetime. If you will just respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and encourage them, be an encourager. The words that you say in a moment can stick with somebody for a lifetime. The Bible says you have the power of life and death in the tongue. Speak life into them. Speak life into people. When you come across them this week, speak life to them. You know, sometimes, more than anything, we just need somebody to speak that life to us. Sometimes we just need somebody that'll slow down long enough, get off their donkeys, quit talking about a bunch of nonsense, and speak life to us. I met with a pastor a few weeks ago. And we sat down and we were just bumping our gums. And all of a sudden, this pastor teared up and he looked me in the eye. And he said, I didn't call you to have lunch just to bump our gums. He said, I just want you to know God's placed you in my heart and God's got more for you. I've seen you at your best and you've got the goods. Don't quit. Keep plowing. Keep pushing. And he just began to speak life into me. And I felt an excitement begin to come back over me. I felt an enthusiasm. I, I, I felt something begin to stir. All because this pastor was obedient and listened. Now, I, I, I'm blessed. I get to work with you good church folks. 
So I can imagine me being able to work with you folks and you going out in the world. If I have that sometimes and I need that sometimes, you need it too. Be sensitive to one another. Be sensitive to those in these. Be sensitive to those out of here. Speak life. Speak encouragement into people. And number five, got to get going. i got to close out here. Number five, it's going to cost you your testimony. Five T's. Testimony. Testimonies are important. The Word says that we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of our testimony. God has given you a story. God's given you a story. I would venture out to say, Miss Alice, you've got a story just by watching, watching her worship. Because when you worship like that, you've got a story. I don't know, or I, I may be totally wrong, but you can watch people. They've got a story. Every one of us got a story. Some are huge, and we've been delivered from this and that. And I think some of the greatest stories are like my wife's. I, I, I was a good girl all my life. I was raised in church, loved God my whole life. Doesn't mean she don't have a story. She's been through hell. But we've all got a story. Each one of you have a testimony to tell. You're, you are able to say, and you can do, and you can look at them and say, I know you can make it because this is what happened to me, and God brought me through it. God did this for me, and He's no respecter of person. He'll bring you too. He'll cater and do it for you. Your story is your testimony. Tell your story about what God has done in your life. If you will stop for 30 seconds with Mr. Joe, he'll tell you his story. Why? Because it's important to him. His relationship with Christ is the most important thing. And he can't wait to tell somebody his story. Some of you, I am believing wholeheartedly. As I was here before the sun came up this morning and I was praying, I really felt some of you this week are going to have opportunities to share your story of God's goodness at work in your life this week. Don't get me Don't use a bunch of religious talk. Don't talk to them in King James verbiage. Be real. Be real. Give it to them. Just tell your story. This is what God is. And you know what? I, I, preachers are the worst for this. Be time sensitive. I got two minutes. Be time sensitive. <laughs> Be time sensitive. What am I saying? You don't have to talk to them for two hours. You can give it to them in 10 minutes and God can move and bam. Watch what God does. Be sensitive. Be. <laughs> I'm going to close with this. Man, come help me. Uh, i got to wrap up. I told my mom this morning, I said, this has been the hardest series because God has just placed it in me and I've got so much information I want to give to you and I can't get it all out in 35 minutes. You don't want to miss next week. It's love in action. Followed by our baptism. And then the week after that is our Serve Day 2019. And you definitely want to be a part of that. We're going to go out and serve our community. We're going to get off of our donkeys that Sunday. And we're going to serve people. I was hoping at least one would get excited with me about it. <laughs> Help me somebody. Folks, I know that when I'm going through something, 
and I find out someone else has been through it and came through it, I want to hear their story. God opened the door for me this week. I took my youngest daughter. She was on fall break, and uh, she wanted me to take her. We went out of town for the night with her and her cousin. It was me and the two girls, and I had a blast. I laughed at them the whole night. But I took them to dinner, and we're sitting at dinner, and I get a text message, can you talk? Then I get a Facebook Messenger message from the same family, different member, can you talk now? I'm like, something's up here. I go outside and I talk. And I call them, and they had no idea. They said, our church has 16 staff pastors, but you've been on our minds all day long, and we just needed to call you. And they're going through a situation that Charlotte and I have been through, and we've come out on the other end. Did you hear me? They've been through a situation that we've been through, and we've come out on the other end. And I begin to share. They had three of their families on speakerphone, and I'm talking to them, standing outside at the busiest hour of Olive Garden you could be at. And I'm sitting there talking, and I'm weeping, and I'm crying. And I begin to pray, and the Holy Spirit comes over me, and I'm just, you can't have your night. And everybody's just walking by looking at me going. But you know, God touched them. And God moved. And God opened the door for me to be sensitive and tell my story. Now, you want the honest truth? At first, I was like, man, I'm here with my girl. God, I came down here to get a break for the night with my daughter. But God said, boy, get off your donkey. Get off of it. And I'm just saying to you today, get off your donkey. Somebody, somebody is going to come across your path. And it's going to cost you. It's going to cost, folks, it may cost you buying them lunch. It may cost you 30 minutes of your time. It may cost your resources, your time. It's going to cost. Here's what I'm going to ask of you. I look around and I, I'm one of these people that I see all these needs and I want to meet all of them. I, I do. My wife says, Scott. Scott. And most of you are probably the same way. But I'm just going to be very transparent. It's impossible to meet them all. You can't do it by yourself. But you know what you can do? It's impossible to do for everyone. But here's what I want to ask you to do this week. I want you to do for one person what you wish you could do for many. What you wish you could do for everybody, find one person and do it. Do it. Find one. Folks, I, I'm closing. God brought you here to serve. God wants you to serve here in this local body as much as He wants you to serve outside. He's called you to serve. Serve. Find one. And next week we're going to talk about love in action. And you know what I'm believing? I probably won't even be able to preach it because every one of you has been love in action all week. And we're going to have a hooping and hollering and shouting time of what God did through you. Get off your donkey this week. I'm just going to ask you to stand with me. 
I'm going to ask Pastor Eric and this wonderful praise team just to lead us in worship for a moment. And I want you to say, God, begin to prepare me. And God, let me be sensitive to the one you're leading in my path this week. And God, I want to be willing to do what I can do. Do what you can do. And ask God right now to prepare you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Romans tells us all you got to do is call out to Him. Call out to Him. He's going to rescue and forgive you. And he goes on to say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I challenge you this morning, work out your own salvation. If God's dealing with your heart and you want to receive the love of Christ, the love that went to a cross for you and paid it all for you, He's here today for you. And I challenge you to make that commitment. If you make that commitment today in our closing and worship time, please let me know afterwards. I just want to encourage you and and celebrate with you and high-five you and, and say, look what God has done. So Pastor Eric, if you will, just lead us in worship for a few moments and then dismiss us if you don't mind.